welcome everybody to Portal to Ascension Radio. This is your host, Neil Gore, the founder of Portal to Ascension, and I appreciate you so much for being here with us today. And I hope you've been enjoying our new, renovated, resurrected, rejuvenated podcast, Portal to Ascension, because I say that because I've done this a few times, but this time I'm serious. <laughs> this time I'm going to go with it 100%. And um, because we have so much content and then I have the time and the resources to allot to this. This podcast is an extension of the information that we share in Portal to Ascension. These are the discussions. I'm starting off by bringing forward 50 to 60 different presentations, presenters, speakers, guests, interviews, panel discussions that we've just done over the last few months here. Even though this podcast is evergreen, this content is timeless that we really have, um, you know, showcased a lot of awareness just in that one event alone, but the 110 events that we do a year, there's been a lot of information that we've shared. So in this, this is a continuation, a discussion. We're going to be bringing on different people after this musician, conscious musicians, uh, having a lot of fun, multiple segments. But right now we're going hardcore into the portal to Ascension 2020 conference information. And today is an amazing day because we are going to be bringing on, I guess I am going to be bringing on Billy Carson. Billy Carson is a great friend of ours from Forbidden Knowledge. You might know him from his Instagram accounts. He has over a million and a half subscribers just on one account. And he does a lot of different, different things. He has his, he wears many hats. Let's just say that, you know, everything from um, researching space and lunar anomalies to um, quantum technology that can help us in the future, propelling to throughout space and different planets to conscious nutrition, vitamins, what to eat, how to cleanse yourself, pollution, and also the corruption. So some, you know, someone that really fits in with Portal to Ascension, because what is Portal to Ascension? All things that lead to an ascension, whether it's a physical, personal, emotional, spiritual ascension. It's not just one word. We're not just categorizing ascension to this thing that we need to reach and this level we have to go to, but the ascension of the experiences of this present moment that we have all together. And he is one of many speakers that we have that really present a holistic approach to this awareness. You know, it's not just about UFOs, nuts and bolts. It's not just about the extraterrestrials and spirituality. It's about the evolution of our consciousness and all the things that go within that from nutrition to sacred sexuality to self-empowerment to sound and vibration and frequency quantum technology ancient civilizations where we've come from prehistory so much right and billy truly embodies that he has been a guest on many different podcasts interviews online conferences events live conferences he was at all three of our first um the first three, the last three of our Portal to Ascension conferences, 2018, 2019, and 2020. And he's going to be at all of them because he speaks in so much. So that is Billy in a nutshell. Now we're going to get into more Billy. And the cool thing with today's interview is I actually interviewed him. And just to give you guys a little bit of background on what happened when I did this interview, this is 15 minutes after this interview is when my social media account on Facebook was deleted and thousands of other people were at the exact same time due to a purge and censorship that's happening from these big tech companies. So just look and listen to this conversation because in this conversation, we actually talk about social media detox and what I've been thinking about lately in order to disconnect, you know, from social media. Well, what I was thinking about back then, which is a month and a half ago now, and then 15 minutes after while I'm talking about deleting my Facebook account temporarily, my, my Facebook account gets deleted. So it was a hardcore synchronicity, such a synchronicity that it's not a synchronicity. Oh, it is a synchronicity, but 
is also divinely orchestrated. Like that was just so weird that that manifested in that moment. So here we go. We're going to go into this interview with Billy Carson. First of all, if you do want to donate or help support us in any way, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash portal to ascension. Sign up there for exclusive bonuses. You get free events. You get to interact with speakers. It's really fun. Um, you can go to PayPal and just paypal.me slash portal, the number two ascension, and you can donate there or just go search portal to ascension online on a search engine and just add everything you can. We need all the support right now in order to get this information out to the masses even more. We've been growing quite a lot and our new website is going to be launched very soon. The launch date is January 11th of 2021. So 111, 2021. And it's really, we're just creating our own platform. We're upping the security, like a lot of different measures are being taken because there is a definite, I don't like to say the word attack, but there's a definite something happening where this information is being censored and it's so blatant at this point that we really need to stick together and help promote each other so that we can get this out to the masses and go you know under the radar or over the radar but really away from relying on the technology and the social media made by these organizations that are completely invested in keeping us quiet so definitely do support Check us out, portaltoascension.org. Sign up there as well. And now we're going to go into my interview with Billy Carson. So for everybody who doesn't know, Billy has actually been on all three of our Portal to Ascension Summit. So this is the third year in a row. And um, I feel like you you should be at every single one now. Really hey, man, forward. I would appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to it. I, I really look forward to your events. They're very professional, very well organized. You've got some of the top speakers in the world at all times. I don't know how you do it, man. It's tough. Uh, you really, you know, you're really plugged in. And it's so great to be a part of something that's, that's so high quality and that people mm. really get something out of it every time they come to one of your events. And now, obviously, we're in the virtual world. Uh, they get something out of it. And that's the most important part is what can you take away from this, you know, from this event, from this conference, from this workshop or lecture. And I always, it always seems to be, to me, I even get something out of I'm getting, I know a lot of people are getting great information from your, from your work, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Feeling is a hundred percent mutual, you know, everything that you do. And I kind of want to like have a conversation about all the hats that you do wear, you know what I mean? Cause you wear, you do a lot of things, man. Like the first class space agency is its own entire thing that many people within the conscious community haven't even started getting into that level of mainstream um, disclosure. Right. Yeah. And then you have the anomaly, um, um, the anomalies that you're searching for, but yeah. I wanted to preface this whole conversation with, Something that I, I discovered this morning, my wife saw, she found this article from Northrop Grumman, um, what is it, Northrop Grumman, right? Northrop Grumman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I want to start with this and kind of get your feedback from it and go into some anomalies, but I do want you to kind of take this conversation where you want, because mm -hmm. the intention of this is unity. You know, yeah. we see this world full of division. So here's the, here's the article. It was actually an ad basically sponsored by Northrop Grumman, and the ad says, um, hidden in plain sight are invisible aliens among us. And there's a video here of this ET in basically like New York walking mm -hmm. and phasing out in and out of reality around all these people walking down New York street. Mm -hmm. You open up their, their page and they have this whole article about how they're now finding that silicon based um, 
um, silicon-based organisms are, can actually be a reality. And there's this part here that really stood out. And I want you to kind of talk about this and talk about drip disclosure and we can move forward from there. Yeah. So it says, Interstellar Rest Stop. What if invisible aliens living among us in shadow biospheres or using different building blocks? What if they already visited and aren't coming back? What if they're not alien at all? As noted by Business Insider, it's possibly that interstellar travelers visited Earth billions of years ago where their own star system was close to ours. Maybe they watched the first organic molecules form or walked among the dinosaurs. Perhaps they accidentally nudged an asteroid towards Earth on the way out of town. Other experts like Harvard's AV wondered if strange interstellar objects like the, the asteroid you talk about, the Oumuamua, uh -huh. The first known interstellar object in the pastoral solar system was actually of alien origin. And just this last part here. Since, okay, here we go. Um, he posts that seeming existence of advanced technology without alien operators could suggest a future in which humanity discovers time travel. Humans regularly visit the past and occasionally make the mistake of letting their advanced craft get noticed. Since they're physically and vis visually human, any crash landings or future people infiltrations would go unnoticed. In effect, the temporal visitors, aliens by eons rather than elements. So what's your, what's your take on that? That's very interesting because they talk about the asteroid coming to earth. They talk about phasing in and out of reality and time travel. You know, what do you think? You know what? I think it's a little bit of everything you just mentioned. That's how, I mean, that's how incredible the story really is. Um, you know, let's start off with, for example, um, the visitors that could be coming here, and I think they have been coming here for many, many uh, eons. Uh, the record of these people, of these um, these ancient Pleiadian, they originated from the Pleiades and spread out to the Orion, they spread out to Aldebaran, Epsilon, Boetus, um, Sirius, the Dog Star. They spread out all over the galaxy, and uh, some of them ended up coming here to mine this solar system, not just Earth, but this entire solar system for resources. Um, and then, you know, uh, some starting a breakaway civilization on this planet. And at the time that they came to this planet, people were already here. They didn't create human beings. What they did was they genetically modified the existing hominid that was on this planet, which would have been our cousin. Therefore, then modifying uh, uh, them and creating what we call a homo sapien, but creating something, a being from scratch, that really didn't happen according to ancient tablets from around the world, not just from one source. But I believe that they, they were here. And then when they got here, there were also these other people here, this culture called the Ubaid culture, U-B-A-I-D, originating out of Iraq. And they had an entire kingdom there. And these Ubaid statuettes have been found. There's hundreds of them showing kings, queens. They had a monarchical type society. Uh, and I even have two of these in my own personal collection one of the reptilian uh, uh, women, hominid women, is actually breastfeeding a baby. And the other one is like uh, a male prince. So they had these, um, these people that were here, these reptilian type people that were here long before the Anunnaki ever arrived on this planet. The Anunnaki more or less resembled more of like what we look like. And the reason why is because when I went to Australia at the beginning of 2020, right before this COVID-19 stuff happened, uh, I went out into the outback and met with some Aboriginal elders. And the historical, the history that they have, you know, handed down from generation to generation for thousands of years is that people were seated on this planet by the Pleiadians. And my main reason for going there was to go out into the outback and find these hieroglyphs and not find them, 
have them take me to these hieroglyphs that they've already discovered. And there's hieroglyphs there that are called Pleiadian glyphs, which have not been deciphered. And there's also another set of hieroglyphs on the opposite side of this makeshift temple that go back thousands of years that's uh, proto-Egyptian. And the Egyptians were coming here for 5,000, going there for 5,000 years to visit with the Aboriginal people to gain, uh, to gain wisdom and knowledge. So the story is really, really deep. And these Pleiadian uh, glyphs have never been fully deciphered, but they also do point out and show the Pleiadian star system. So, you know, it's, it's really an amazing story. So then you move, you move forward into the whole Great Flood situation. Was it a, a directed asteroid? Was it, uh, you know, uh, you know a, just a natural geological disaster? Uh, according to the text, it seems as if it was um, uh, decreed that it was going to happen naturally. They had the capability of moving this object and not letting it hit the Earth. But at that time, Enlil, who was the king of the Earth, one of the Anunnaki slash Atlantean rulers, uh, decided that he would like the whole thing wiped out and we start fresh again. And it says that they actually left and went to their sky palace and watched from space the entire Earth be destroyed by this gigantic asteroid situation. And they weeped and they moaned and they cried because their creation had been destroyed. And then and in the Animal Tablets is when, uh, you know, the opening scene in the Animal Tablets of both is where the waters are residing finally and people who did survive are coming out of the caves and so forth. And there's some barbarians and everything else because civilization had taken a real hard dive. And then they go and they uh, go to the area of land of Chem, the ancient, the ancient land of Chem before it was called Egypt to rebuild civilization, re-kickstart civilization. And then when fast forward, you can have time travel. Time travel to me is a, is a very real possibility, even according to most theoretical physicists. And I think that the only thing that I think is a grandfather paradox is probably not accurate to where you know, if you go back and kill your grandfather, you could have never been born. I think that when you go back in time, you then transpose uh, the actual universal line. You, 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 move, you move out of one universe into a parallel universe, therefore allowing you to go back and, and see yourself, see your grandfather, kill your grandfather, and still be alive. Because I think every time you travel back in time or even forward in time, you actually shift into a whole nother uh, yeah. reality. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like more feasible that you create a new timeline. But then that would kind of like blow the lid off any possible future timeline that has to do with correcting the timeline. It would just be a hundred percent to explore. Yeah, you'd be exploring. You couldn't really directly affect any particular timeline because every time you move in time, you end up on a different uh, parallel universe. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the Palladians, and I've heard in the, I don't know if you heard the book Prism of Lyra by Lisa Royale, mm. um, it's, it's a great book, and um, then also uh, Bringers of the Dawn, right? So yep. in both of those books, they talk about the Palladians being the original earthlings, right? Yep. And you've kind of just mentioned that here, that they were here first. So is there any evidence or information on what we look like before the Palladians here? Were we sentient, or were we not sentient until we had that genetic spark? Now, we were already sentient beings. I think even more intelligent than we are right now. Um, they look like us or we look like them because Homo sapiens sapiens, which we are now, are the new kids on the block. Uh, we, we basically look like them. They had various different races. They had white, black, yellow, red, brown. They had all the different skin tone colors, various different looks. So even not only just Homo sapiens or Homo hominid looking like us, but also even more, a little bit more alien looking, Lilirans and the Syrians. They had these very different faces. There were some people who almost looked like cats in a way, um, you know, not exactly, but very close. So they had this 
variation of so many different um, types of, of, of hominid with different looks and a, a, a vast majority of them look just like we do. Right. What was the whole thing with Enlil, was that another time that we were genetically mutated? Or did it happen multiple times after the original time when the Pleiadians came here? And were the Pleiadians directly responsible for the first mutation? The first mutation is uh, potentially the Pleiadians um, doing. And the reason why is because the adjustment to this Earth's gravity, the, this Earth's atmosphere and everything else required a slight genetic modification. However, I think our pineal glands were bigger, our skulls were bigger, which means our brains were bigger. Uh, I think that we were much more intelligent, more in tune with the resident, human resident frequency of the Earth and more in tune with each other. Maybe things like telepathy uh, and clairvoyance were just standard parts of our normal uh, physiology. Yeah. Where then the Anunnaki came and they said, we need to disconnect all of this stuff. This is too much. And then they took, that's where we have the junk DNA now. They disconnected a lot of our DNA from the nodes. They shrunk our pineal gland, shrunk our brain size. And then they genetically modified us a little bit later and took away our lifespan. We were still living for thousands of years. Uh, even in biblical texts, you can find human beings living for a very, very long time. But at the Tower of Babel incident, they decided to cut back our time even more to only a maximum of 120 years. So would that be like also the time of the Epic of Gilgamesh, Noah's Ark? Because there was also stories that before that we were living for a long time. Yes, exactly. Noah's Ark, the Epic, the Epic of Gilgamesh is the true, you know, full story of Noah's Ark, which obviously predates the Bible by thousands of years. Uh, up until that point there, you know, it was, uh, we were, you know, it, we were living for 900, 1,000, 1,100 years. You hear these crazy lifespans. When you get to the, uh, shortly after you get to the, um, the Tower of Babel situation is where all of a sudden people coming together, working in unison to build this tower to the heavens. And Enlil had come back from wherever he was at. In the Bible, he's known as Yahweh. And he realized that no matter what these people set out their heart to do, they can achieve it. And he says this, this made it into the Bible. So he said, my seed shall not abide in man forever. His year shall be 120. So he literally at that point decided to make a new genetic modification. Let's take away the lifespan. They're living too long. If they live this long, they're going to get too smart. They're going to figure this out. They're going to come together. Then he did something else. He split us up and moved us all around the planet, changed our languages, and changed the races. This is why there's a 2% variation in race, which could not happen through a natural evolution, through a natural macro evolution, it would take many more millions of years to get to where we are now in terms of me being a black person, you being a Caucasian, or you actually Hispanic, you be, you know, all these different variations take a very long time, but that explains the 2% variance. Genealogists are now saying, geneticists, I'm sorry, are saying, this seems like a directed thing that happened. And when you read the Emerald Tablets of Folk, you discover that he sent his people all around the planet to kickstart new civilizations. And when they got to those sections, they branded the people that they ruled over with a genetic brand. And that's how you have Asians and Caucasians and Africans and everything else. It's because of these genetic branded people. Like, these are my people here. These yellow people are mine. These red people are mine. These black people are mine. And black people are mentioned many, many times in the Sumerian tablets. Uh, you know, it's many, I mean, probably over a dozen times. It's easier to find. It's not even a hard thing to find. But you discover that there were many races on the planet as well. And you discover that the Anunnaki themselves were many races, even one of them marrying a woman from a different planet. Mm. That's in, is that in the Seven Tablets of Creation? That, that in the Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets, you get some of that. And then also you get the other part of it in the Atra Aces epic. 
Okay, cool. So it looks like to me that, you know, you were into this information. Um, you've explained in past interviews how you kind of got into it, but then you wanted to figure out how to be practical with it. And I feel like looking for space anomalies and also having the first class space agency where we can travel to these places is a part of that. Would you agree? Is that what, is that kind of how you went into the space anomalies? And then maybe you can talk about some of the anomalies you've discovered. Yeah, with the space anomalies, how I actually got into it was um, a weird thing happened to me around 2010 where it's hard to talk about, but I actually had a visitation. Um, I wasn't abducted by aliens or anything like that. But in my house, there were two gray aliens. Now, what does this have to do with finding anomalies? Well, all I can tell you is they didn't speak to me telepathically, but I did have a very weird situation, a very weird experience where my brain was shaking in my skull, and then they left. Now, what, what that means is after that happened, this phrase was in my mind, worldwide telescope. And it happened, it, it just kept coming back thousands of times. So I went to my computer and I looked up on excite.com because google.com wasn't the most popular yeah, back then. Excite. Yeah, and I typed in worldwide telescope. And the first thing that popped up was worldwidetelescope.org, which is still in business today. It was a software program back then. You had to download the software, install it on your computer, and then you can actually see all the space probe data from every mission that's ever gone out into space. And uh, it's incredible. It's partially funded by Microsoft and tax dollars. And the first thing that I saw was Mars panoramas, Mars, and I went to Mars panoramas. I said, okay, whatever. And then I clicked on Opportunity Rover. I went in there, and it gives you the perspective as if you're looking through the actual rover on the landscape. It's a phenomenal thing. But what hit me was right away, I started seeing things that didn't belong in this Martian desert. Objects, structures, things that looked like they were out of place, out of place objects. And so it just kept me digging deeper and deeper and deeper. So I started collecting these, these images and saving them and screenshotting them and cataloging them. Eventually, uh, I ran into some, a few other people on, on Facebook that were doing the same thing. They had came across these same images and they were cataloging. So we formed the United Family of Anomaly Hunters so that we can really organize the proper way and between all 14 of us now, we've downloaded well over 1 million images from all space agencies combined. And we've cataloged about now close to 60,000 space anomalies in our solar wow. system. Wow. Yeah. Since, you start in, since 2010, you've categorized that many. Yeah. Would you, yeah. I, is there any other organization kind of doing that? Or is that everyone Not really. We're the, big, we're the biggest one. There are some individuals here and there. Well, we are literally the biggest organization that our, our, our stuff has been on ancient aliens. It's been on ancient civilizations. It's been on beyond belief. It's been on discovery channel. It's been on mainstream news. It's picked up stuff, CNN, NBC, Fox. They even picked up some of our images wow. and talked about them on mainstream TV. So what are some of the key discoveries that you think you may have found that connects, you know, let's talk about maybe the Martian um, civilization that existed there. What have you found over there? Well, when you read the Enuma Elish, you discover that there were these working class Anunnaki on Mars called the Ejiji. Now, these Ejiji are the, are the uh, angels that fell from heaven to earth uh, because they left uh, Mars and came to earth to go to battle against God, who at that time was Enlil, because they, the workload was too heavy. They weren't getting a break. They didn't even have, their biggest complaint was they didn't have women <laughs> on Mars. So they ended up mating with the daughters of men. This is Genesis 6. They ended up mating with the daughters of men and so forth. And they, they took some women back to Mars with them uh, because the agreement was made that they would 
forego the battle if they had if they had a break. So that's when Enki said, "We're going to genetically modify the existing hominid on this planet and create a worker race, and then taking the load off of you guys, and you guys can just oversee and run like that." And that's what happened. Uh, but so there was a concurrent civilization running both on Mars and Earth at the same time. The one on Mars was slightly more advanced than the one on Earth because it had a little bit higher level of technology. And when I started reading these ancient tablets and started looking at these anomalies, I started realizing, wow, this is evidence of this Atlantean civilization that wasn't just on Earth. It wasn't just a ring city. You know, it was a global civilization on Earth and it was an interplanetary civilization made its way from Earth to the moon all the way to Mars. Wow. That's amazing. And we're actually going to do a, a space anomaly conference together, right? Which is yep. going to be next year. I'm just going to, before we get into some questions from people, just show everybody here. We're going to do a space lunar anomalies online conference in which Billy is going to be on it. And then you're going to also recommend another anomaly hunter, right? Mm -hmm. And this one is going to be all days, eight hours with just us basically going over as many anomalies as possible and then yeah. dissecting what the theories are behind them, right? Yeah. Yeah, so let's get into a couple of questions here. Um, Carol is asking, do you agree with Madame Blavatsky's timetable for the root races? You familiar with that? Uh, for the root races. Yeah, I've yeah. read that. I've studied that and I've read it. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Now, to me, there are some things that are uh, valid about it and make a lot of sense chronologically. And there are things that can kind of leave a few holes. But overall, I believe that it's pretty interesting. I think it's a great, great theory uh, that should be researched and investigated a little bit more. Is it possible to travel back or forward in time when dreaming? When dreaming? Uh, now, that's a very good question. I believe that dreams are a lot more real than the reality that you have when you're in your awakened state, in my personal opinion. Now, when I went and studied uh, remote viewing with Major Ed Dames, who, who uh, you know, they've made movies about this man, uh, you know, men staring at goats and everything else. But um, the, well, I, lear I learned that mine is outside of space and time. And so you get into this semi-awake, semi-daydream state during a remote view and where you send your mind, instead of doing an astral projection where you try to send your entire spirit somewhere, you only send the consciousness somewhere and you can send it backwards and forwards in time. So in that case, I would have to say the answer to that question is yes. When we were living for thousands plus years, do you, do you know anything about what we were eating and drinking? Any Good question. Very good question. I believe that the majority of the people uh, that were living in those time frames were eating a very balanced diet of plant-based foods and small amounts of meat. Uh, when you look at the history of um, those times and you read some of those ancient texts, if you read inside of the Torah, if you read inside of the biblical text, the Quran, in those texts, which are a little bit newer than some of the more ancient texts, but even when you go to the Sumerian tablets, you see the same consistency of majority of plant-based. Now, some people were eating all plant-based and some people were eating a mixed diet. Um, as a matter of fact, <laughs> here's something interesting to answer that question. You look at the Garden of Eden incident where Cain uh, killed his brother, right? Cain killed Abel. Uh, one of them was presenting God with uh, vegetables, the first harvest and fruits. And the other one was presenting God with uh, only meat. Okay, and the reason why Cain killed Abel, he got jealous at his brother because uh, his brother's offering was getting more credibility, a more anointing, quote unquote, from God, who was really Enlil. 
and Lil was eating that food. In other words, he was eating that food. He didn't like the meat chips so much. So, <laughs> so he was a plant-based guy probably, you know? So you see this, this, this weird situation where the guy got killed because his God was a vegan or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I know. And Lil was probably a vegan. <laughs> yeah, you know? Uh, but uh, it's really interesting. So there was a balance. There was a, uh, some people were eating meat. Uh, in, in the Sumerian tablets, it talks about where Enlil and Enki are interacting with one of the kings, and they had not fashioned the lamb yet. So they actually genetically created, lambs are genetically created, or maybe they brought DNA from their planet and then, uh, you know, kickstarted a brand new race of lambs on earth or whatever. But some of the stuff that they brought here from their planet, they then allowed to develop and grow and mature on earth, like marijuana, um, which uh, also uh, the lamb, of course, uh, they taught, they brought barley to teach humans how to brew beer, and the instructions and the ingredients to brew beer are in 6,000-year-old Sumerian tablets, you know, so it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, we could really honestly talk about this forever, because every time you say something, another another question comes up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we have Christine Webb say, here saying, could you talk about the Ubaid people from Iraq? The Ubaid people from Iraq are very interesting people. Uh, they had established a civilization on this planet thousands of years before the Anunnaki arrived, the first Anunnaki arrived on this planet, which developed the, the Atlantean civilization. Um, uh, so they were here. Now, we've discovered or found, you know, hundreds of these Ubaid statuettes, and uh, they depict kings, queens, monarchy-style, you know, setup. You can even see workers and people of lower class uh, they had kingdoms here on Earth, and some of these kingdoms have been discovered. Some of these really dilapidated, run down. They almost look like mounds of sand now, but they're really ancient structures that these Ubaid uh, cultures used to live in and uh, had their temples and their and their kings and everything else, their kingdoms. Uh, so they were really here, and now they were here before the Anunnaki even arrived. So, um, and, and there's a one tablet, I just can't remember exactly which tablet it was that mentions these people existing uh, on this planet. And they were a thriving civilization. Nobody really knows exactly what happened and what caused them to uh, disappear. Did they go underground? Are they, were they wiped out? Nobody really knows. It's not really clear as to what happened to them. But they were a thriving humanoid reptilian type of a civilization. They stood upright. They were bilateral, bipedal hominids. They just had the skin and, and head of reptilians. Wow. So we, we only have a few minutes, but I want to ask another question and then get into some tools for empowerment, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the, we've, certain things have happened, like, for example, Tom DeLonge's disclosure with all those uh, officials that people consider a smoking gun that this is a reality, you know, like mm -hmm. um, Robert Bigelow saying we have um, extraterrestrial craft in uh, Vegas at the, one of their facilities, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's there's those that, you know, we're finding all these crafts and there's people that Clifford Stone that talk about crash retrieval teams, but the evidence of actual bodies, ET bodies, um, at these crash sites is very minimal. So do you feel that there, are there any smoking guns to you that really blows the lid off the fact that this is a reality, these ETs exist, that, you know, the mainstream people that maybe are doubting it and skeptics could actually research and find something out in you know it's so tough because some of the some of the evidence is ambiguous and um now the pentagon has come forward the navy has come forward and admitted to the fact that these these uh, alien vehicles exist 
and that they're in possession of alien vehicles. They're, they're in possession of vehicles not of this world is the exact terminology used by the Pentagon, I think just last month or the month before last. They've now come and shown the radar images of them trying to trace and track UFOs moving at incredible speeds, 6,000 miles an hour, making 90 degree turns and everything else. Now, where a lot of evidence can be, can be found of these, uh, that, this, that these, these UFOs exist is in the old NASA footage. A lot of the old NASA footage was recorded on VHS tapes, unedited, unobfuscated, and it's up on YouTube where you see craft piloted not by human beings are hovering around this, the uh, International Space Station, hovering around the space shuttles, hovering around space debris. Uh, there's one incident called the Tether Incident. Look up the Tether Incident where we released a four mile long tether in space and we electrified it. And as soon as we electrified it, the cameras that were pointing at it were in a multi-spectrum mode. And in multi-spectrum, we were able to see these gigantic UFOs. One of the UFOs crossed over this tether. And what's important about that, it gave us the ability to measure it. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It must have been um, the size of, I think, three or four football fields is, is what the statement was. Massive, massive objects. So, you know, it's really incredible, man. We, we got some stuff up there that's massive. And... These, these old uh, NASA videos uh, from the ISS, International Space Station, are really, uh, to me, uh, the smoking gun for, for the evidence that, it's, that something's going on. Yeah. And, you know, so, like from what I'm researching, I feel like we're the biggest light show in the universe that all these different beings have donated DNA here and they're kind of observing the way of things going to evolve. So it's so interesting that we're not just seeing it everywhere. So it's definitely got to be a frequency game, right? We can't see things because the frequency shift. But also these, these beings, ultra terrestrials, whatever, are really good at keeping themselves hidden, right? Oh, yeah. There's one oh, thing. Yeah. And then the second thing is the government, the one that does slip over, there's government, you know, I mean, Clifford Stone was sent to Vietnam to retrieve a crash. Right. UFO, you know what I mean? So I, I think that's probably what's going on. Now, let's talk about like the intention for this event is to create unity, to create something um, epic and ripples in consciousness, you know, for months and years to come, but really for the whole of this year, because 2020 has been really intense for us. So, I would love for you to get into because you know you implement you're not only doing this work but you implement it integrate into your own lifestyle what are certain things that we could do right now to focus our energy on what keeps us united one and then to keep our energy up and high during these times yeah that's a great question you know there's so much negativity being exposed and I don't want to say it's new negativity because it's not new it's always been happening it's just that with the advance of technology now it's being it's becoming more obvious uh, so it's it's getting to us a lot faster. We don't have to wait to get home to see the eight o'clock news to find out what happened in our neighborhood today. We can see it within instant seconds, milliseconds on our cell phone. And so we're getting too much information. So the main thing that you can do, and I had to do it myself, is to unplug a little bit. Uh, you know, try to unplug from areas of social media that may be showing these horrific things or things that are really really um, altering your physiology. Uh, you know, so at one point, obviously, with all the shootings and the killings and everything else by police against people and everything else happening, uh, it got me so worked up. And I was getting on videos and talking about it as well and addressing it because obviously my father was a victim of police brutality. But I realized I had gotten to a point where I became completely crazed, which is totally unlike me. It's very hard to get me out of my zen. 
I mean, it's really hard. It takes a very long, put it this way, I haven't raised my voice to yell at anybody in almost 20 years. That's how, how, that's how zen. You know, I've never yelled at my kids. I never beat my kids. So it takes a lot. But when I noticed that I was getting, I was getting crazed over this situation and with all the police brutality and everything else and all the negativity and racism and stuff I thought was going on, I realized I had to pull back. I had to get my brain heart coherence back. And I had to start talking to myself, saying positive affirmations, thinking about things positive in my life. What am I grateful for? Okay, Th thinking about things that make me happy. And then also, what things can I do right now that are gonna make me feel better, that are gonna make me happy, okay? And I started doing that to get myself back reeled in, get my physiology, get my brain heart coherence back on track, back in alignment, get my meditation game back up. I noticed that my meditation was slipping. The more angry I got and the more distressed I got at what was going on in, the, in the, what we call the real world, the more my meditation life was slipping and backsliding. I was like, wow. And the less I meditated, the more agitated I seemed to be getting. So I had to increase my meditation, get back in the meditation, focusing on two types of meditation. One is my cosmic meditation, where I literally see a bowl in my mind and I see a hand taking all of my thoughts out of my bowl till the bowl is empty. Now it's almost impossible. Some people might, I can't get it completely empty, but I can get it almost, almost empty. And when I get to that point, I allow cosmic energy to fill that bowl. And I usually do that for about 30, 35 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes uh, a day and allow myself to just take information directly from the cosmos, divine, spiritual, cosmic energy. And the other, other, or the other meditation I do is a manifestation meditation where I'm focusing on, because obviously I run a lot of things and those things take a lot of energy and, and, and thought processing. So I, I do my manifestation man, meditation to manifest my goals and each thing that I'm involved in and to manifest that everything works out in, the, in, in, the, in my favor and that it's, all my goals are accomplished. So I do my manifestation meditation where I walk through each goal being actually accomplished in my mind because I think this is more real than what's out there. And when this is in alignment, everything out here happens. So I focus on those things there. And of course, uh, plant-based eating. Not everybody can eat plant-based. I want to make this clear. I found I have two friends now that I've come in contact with. Two close, they've become close friends. One of them is allergic to all uh, vegetables except for um, all vegetables and all fruits except for peaches and pineapples. And he's an NFL player, okay? Uh, and uh, he can only eat, um, uh, he eats mostly chicken, goat, and uh, he loves pineapple, uh, pineapple bowls. Like uh, we like acai bowls, he likes the pineapple bowl, made the same way. <laughs> Anything else that he eats, he's gonna have an epileptic shock and he's gonna go to the hospital, potentially die. He has to go around, he has to drive around with an EpiPen. The other person, uh, very similar situation. So not everybody can go plant-based, but if you can, increase the amount of positive, high-energy foods that you can bring in, raw foods, high-energy foods, Try to take that into your body. Try to decrease the amount of meat you're eating and increase the positive energy foods so that you can have, give yourself the best chance if you're able to do it health-wise. Um, you know, a combination of those things and doing things that make you happy, getting grounded, going out in nature. I try to walk on the beach. You know, I try to, when I, when I walk on the beach, there's trees. I try to touch each tree as I walk down the sidewalk just to connect directly with nature on a physical level. You know, little things like that. Uh, and staying focused and just trying to see if you can, what service you can be to others, trying to help other people, being, be the change. Instead of consistently complaining, try to be the change. 
Yes, we have to talk about these other negative things. We have to expose some of them at the same time. There's a balance that's required in all things. Too much excess of anything is detrimental to your health. Beautiful. Yeah, I, to kind of to add on to what you're saying, I've actually felt the same way too. And I actually saw, I witnessed the, the time that you said that where you were getting a little antsy yeah. and I saw a couple of posts. I'm like, that's not like Billy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it happened to me, man, hardcore too. And, um, you know, there's just, the, I don't even want to get into the political game, but just the division of it is so hardcore. And then doing what I do and working with so many people that have different beliefs yeah. that other people cannot reach because they are not reachable, but I am reachable, you know? Yeah. So I get the brunt of a lot of arguments for other speakers. And mm -hmm. it is driving me crazy to the point that I literally, uh, multiple reasons, but I literally just picked up and drove to Michigan uh, through 16 states in the last two weeks with my wife and went to a lake house there. And literally, I had no time to talk about the news because I was driving 10 hours a day for two right. weeks, right? Yeah. So it was getting to me. And then when I had all those t that time, 10 hours a day, literally driving, I was thinking and I was coming up with a detox plan of social media and the internet because everything I do is online and the internet. So I needed to have that presence. But I, even someone that is so involved in the online world, I have now come up with some boundaries where I'm disconnecting, I'm deleting certain apps. Mm -hmm. I'm going to only work six hours a day up until the end of the year. Because yeah. a, a lot of people are, um, have time to focus, but when you have so much time in your hand, you might concentrate on the news and the media, and then you're inundated with all this negativity. And yeah. now that you have all this time, you've kind of switched it out with complete BS, really, that's kind yeah. of making you feel bad about yourself. But yeah. you actually have the time to do the opposite of that, right? right. So exactly. what you touched on is that there are many types of meditation, right? Vegan is not for everybody. That's your, everybody can do whatever they want, but you have two different types of meditation. We're yeah. so beautiful, so amazing that there's literally 7.5 billion different types of meditation that we can do on this planet. So mm -hmm. it's whatever really is good for you. Wouldn't you agree? Exactly. Yep, absolutely. 1000% man. And you know, one thing too, I like to tell, tell people, I know that we're in a situation in this country. If you're in, a, if you're in America, or maybe even in most countries, the, the, the we're run by a political system, even though we're supposed to be in control of the political system because they're supposed to work for us. It almost seems as if um, we're letting them control us. I would, I would recommend that people unplug a little bit from politics, just like you have to unplug from social media, unplug from politics too, because it could drive you crazy. It'll have you doing things and saying things and reacting to people in ways that you didn't think and nobody thought would even be inside of you. It can turn you into an absolute animal. So I think to withdraw a little bit from politics will help a lot of people feel better, improve their health, improve their relationship with their spouses and even with their children. Yeah, you can have, and that doesn't mean you need to let go of your beliefs. You can have your beliefs and still disconnect and not engage all the time. Yeah, right? exactly. Like if you know that you have this belief, but then when you're focusing on it all the time, you're feeling negative, have your belief, just do things that make you feel good as well. Right? Exactly. I agree. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, brother. Why don't you um, close us out here with some final words and also let us know what's coming up for you. Okay. Well, I want to tell everybody that's watching this. First of all, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for taking the time, the energy and effort to actually to look at something like this, to be a part of Portal to Ascension, because Portal to Ascension is doing things to help raise humanity's consciousness. That's all its focus is about. And, um, I've been involved now with Neil for a few years and I'm very excited about the path this whole thing is going in and where, it's to where it can take people to mentally and consciously. And I wanna just say, you know, focus on positivity as much as possible, including myself. I'm even working on this on a daily basis. There's always a time where we're gonna stumble and fall, including me. We're all working on this together. But we have to begin to, including me, create a filter 
or another, like a filter that we can, you know, a thought filter. Before we respond or react to some information that we see on social media, why don't we run that through a filter first and say, is this even worth the effort or the energy for me to dive into this? Is this worth the effort for me to respond to this? Is this worth the effort for me to re respond negatively to some information that I just may not particularly agree with? I think by um, running the filter a little bit more and controlling ourselves, controlling our emotions on what we indulge in on social media, whether it's something you agree with or not, will give you a little bit more peace in your life. And if there's some people that are putting information that you totally never really agree with, I think that you should mute them or block them so that you don't have to see it anymore. Okay, it's time to take back your peace. Take back the, you know, your tranquility. Bring the tranquility back into the house. Because when it's affecting you like this to the point where you're getting so agitated and so angry on, online and social media, it then will trickle down back into your family life as well. And other people will start to feel the brunt of that anger and that frustration, and it can bring stress to the entire household. So try to create your own filter, whatever that is, and try to reduce the amount of negativity that you feel you need to put out. Focus on just positive affirmations and positive things. If, you, if it's you know getting to a point where it's always a fight on a daily, you shouldn't have to fight every single day on social media. Other than that, I am on Forbidden Knowledge TV. I have a new TV network called Forbidden Knowledge TV with the number four. Uh, and you can go to 4BK, number 4BK.tv and register for a free three-day trial. You can also look on uh, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, uh, and of course, iOS apps and Android apps for Forbidden Knowledge TV. It's a five-star app. Uh, thousands of people are on there now, and there's over 2,000 programs up there right now. Great, incredible, conscious content you can share with the entire family. Thank you so much to Billy, and thank you all for tuning in and listening to this episode of Portal to Ascension Radio. Do please help us share this. We're on iTunes, we're on Pandora, we're on Deezer, we're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music getting this out to as many people as possible. So share this away for everybody. And again, if you want to support us, youtube.com slash portal to ascension, patreon.com slash portal to ascension, and your host, Neil Gore, on Instagram, at MC underscore resonance. That's at MC underscore resonance. Connect with me there. And I'll also put out my conscious poetry and hip hop and spoken word on that channel. And if you really want to connect with us on every single level, just do one thing, search engine and then type in Portal to Ascension and add everything you can, support us there. Every single platform puts out unique content and the content is designed to empower, inform and help us shift our consciousness to this new vibration that we are creating on this planet. So what I'm gonna do now is I'm going to perform a poem and this is how we're gonna end it as we always do in every single episode. This spoken word piece is called The Sixth Sun, and it's cool because, you know, I pick poetry from all over the place, written at different times, but this one I actually wrote yesterday, and I wrote it to a beat that was sent to me by a friend of mine that, I, um, that were friends with me back in college, which is over 10 years ago now, 15 years ago. So this one's called The Sixth Sun, and it's about the whole concept of The Sixth Sun and the prophecy of it. So this is it for me, guys. We're going to get into the spoken word piece. I appreciate you all very, very much. Love you. Have a beautiful day. It is time for the sixth sun. The sixth sun. The sixth sun has risen. We are now in the sixth world. 
passed down for years by our human peers through oral tradition, information about our collective mission, what a new reality would envision. Spoken through Toltec and Aztec wisdom, we discuss and perceive larger cycles of time than even the Maya depicted. It was known that we're in a transition that started in 1991. As we began the move from the fifth to the sixth sun, what are we waiting for? What have we waited for? These wars will stop. The sunspots increase in diameter and frequency. As the frequency of planetary bodies shifts and changes, so does the neural networks within your brains, kids, adults, animals, family. We have been blinded, you see, to the vibratory energy that a universe breathes in the last of the nine hells exiting Nessus. Humans unable to think for themselves, we are at a nexus point. A decision shall anoint the sun god. I point out is the son of God that resurrects and reflects over water, including the second ocean, known as space, where the cosmic rays during this transitory phase will encase and wash over the solar system. And in the skies, we may see both stars becoming one as we enter the sixth sun. The sixth sun has risen. We are now in the sixth world, spread for years by our human peers. The sixth sun has risen. We're now in the sixth world, spread for years by our human peers. The sixth sun has risen. We are now in the sixth world, spread for years by a human peers.